One of the things that perhaps many of you don't know is that my conversion happened through St. Louis de Montfort's book, True Devotion to Mary. Our Lady gave me the means to approach her son in a way I never thought possible. And uh, I'm going to be talking with a good lady today who is promoting that very consecration, has done so at 31 parishes, bringing 2,500 people uh, into this amazing practice with which Pope St. John Paul II called uh, essential for anyone who wants to give them fully to the work of Christ and redemption. You're going to want to stay tuned. Teresa Gray, welcome to the program. Thank you, John. Let's begin as we always do with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So, first of all, true devotion to Mary is a, is a subject uh, near and dear to my own heart, uh, and I know to yours as well. Um, let's tell everyone, what is true devotion to Mary, and why is it so important? Well, first of all is, I too, like you, I had a... Um, a conversion doing the St. Louis-Marie de Montfort uh, consecration several years ago. And, and the reason that um, that went into my heart was because I never really um, had thought about what would uh, open in my soul if I should give myself totally to our Blessed Mother. Um, a lot of people have a little bit of a hang-up saying, you know, why can't we just go straight to Jesus? And so in the study of St. Louis-Marie de Montfort, it was a beautiful thing to understand that it is our Blessed Mother's Immaculate Heart that really opens our heart even to a greater um, aspiration to be united with the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And so that took seed in my heart, and it took several years for me really to ponder on this, to understand how important it was for others uh, to potentially do that consecration to understand Our Lady's part in conversion, in holiness. So for your own personal journey, how how did this, um, I don't know if you want to tell us part of that, uh, maybe just a snippet of us to to bring us to some understanding of how how much of an effect it had on your life. When I was a little girl, and I say this only because uh, often parents look at their children and they wonder if their children can um, truly grasp on to the understanding of how Jesus is so important to their lives and our Blessed Mother. And when I was a little girl, I was about in the third grade, uh, the Good Sisters of Charity, in where I went to school in St. Andrews in Fort Worth, Texas, happened to show our class a film of St. Bernadette, Our Lady of Lords, and then they showed us a film on Our Lady of Fatima. To that time, I had never heard of Our Lady of Fatima. Well, I had very devout, pious parents um, who came from, a, um, from really the um, roots of not much. We were Hispanic growing up in San Antonio, and we didn't have much, but we moved to Fort Worth, and I happened to go to this uh, school where there were no Hispanics and the good sisters showed us this film and it really opened my eyes. I said to myself, oh, Jesus, I want to be perfect. I want to be perfect like Lucia, Jacinta and Francisco. I want to be like them. 
of course, that was a little girl's aspirations. I really didn't know what that meant. I just really wanted to see Mary like they did. I wanted to love her, you know, and because they were holy and they something about them really emanated a, a holiness. So I remember walking home from school and I said to myself, I'm going to be perfect. I'm going to be perfect for Mary. And of course, it didn't take long as the years rolled out that by the time I was like 13 or 14, that I lost that uh, desire to be holy. And I got caught up really with that whole teenage world. And um, and I would say for about five years, I probably, you know, could have, I, I was at the brink of maybe I could have kind of lost my soul in a way because I became attached to the world. And I was very blessed to meet a man that, you know, I fell in love with, who is still my husband. We've been married 50 years and we have nine children. And, um, and in that birth of that first child really sent my heart in a different direction. It was to give more to my child that was um, more in a formation basis. I always remained Catholic. I always went to mass, but like many Catholics, you know, I was just filling up a pew sometimes. But when I had my first baby and took her to her baptism, then I realized I had a great responsibility. And um, I, I continued to um, realize uh, what Our Lady of Fatima had taught. It just kind of birthed back into me about the rosary. Now, John Henry, I'm going to say this to you. I mean, there was a point in my time when I was 12 years old that I, I think I shared with you at one time that really um, has stayed with me for most of my life until today, I will tell you that. And, um, and I say this with humility and great respect for um, the church that often, um, and is formation for a soul, that often we are gifted with uh, things uh, or aspirations in our days that send us forward to Christ. And it was at one time, and I think about it a lot, during the Cuban crisis, that I was very frightened by that whole event. Um, I was 12 years old, and uh, the Cuban crisis uh, was... Uh, eminent in our world that we that there was a great pending of this nuclear war that could happen. And again, as I said, I came from a large family. I had a family. My parents had 13 children and we lived in a little bitty house. And the one thing my parents did was they would gather us during that time to pray the rosary. But that fear was there. And as a child, I want I didn't know how to express it or to talk to anybody about it. It was just a fear. So one night I did go to bed. I think there were two or three of us in the same bed. And, um, and I placed myself under the sheet crying, saying, I don't know what's happening, Mary. And I went to Mary and I said, I, I'm afraid. And I cried and I fell asleep. And But during that night, I had, did have a beautiful dream that has stayed with me all my life. And I haven't spoken about it very much because it's nothing, um, you know, what I think is no apparitions or anything like that. It was it was meant for me, but I'm sharing it with you because this is was part of my journey. That during that dream, I did um, have a sense that there was a great celebration in a very large city, 
And in this celebration, people were holding their hands up to the sky. Their faces were just joyful. And um, there were people even from the windows of the building, the same, holding their hands up, joyful. And, and I could sense it was a great celebration. And um, I happened to, I, I was not down there with these people. I was able to see to the side, a beautiful lady. And this lady was, had her hands held out and she was pouring just her, the, her grace is what I believe because they were petals of flowers on They seemed to be showering the world. And it was a great joyous occasion. And, um, and that stuck with me all my life. And I, I always wondered, what was she doing? What was this lady doing? At first, I didn't want to say perhaps it was Mary. It was a lady. But then later on in years, I became at peace to say, I believe it was Our Lady of Grace. And Our Lady of Grace was showering her with her graces. So that has been kind of an inner motivation for me to understand why were the people joyous and why has she come to shower them with her graces and make that joy. And as I have moved forward in life, I have found that she has drawn me closer and closer to her immaculate heart to understand the grace that she truly wants to give us from the sacred heart of Jesus, if we but ask for those graces. And that grace is going to provide us uh, the um, intention of our hearts that desire to know and love and serve God. And I believe that it is with it is that small smidgen of grace that we can begin with, that desire is that really births the future for our conversions and our love for Jesus, Jesus to give everything to him through her. Now, I share that with you only because everyone has an experience in their life. I believe God provides that to draw them to his sacred heart. We just need sometimes to be still, to pray, to give him the confidence to just ask for Mary to put that grace in our hearts to know him better. Mm -hmm. And that's what, why today it's been a lifetime of prayer, um, mainly in adoration uh, in 1994, I went to Mexico for the, um, the celebration in December of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Um, and there again, I was stirred with a great love for the church, for Our Lady. And um, it was a great experience. I came back and I'm like, wow, you know, this was good. Now what? And um, it was in prayer. I, I, was, I had a newborn. And he, he was my only one, his name was John Gabriel, he was the only one of all my nine children that could not sleep through the night. He, he was, came out crying and he continued to cry. So I would walk him around my living room with my rosary and uh, try to get him to sleep. And in that time, I learned to love to pray during the night. And um, one time I was praying and this thought came into my head, it is good to pray at night. It's the only time I have. I worked and I had nine children. It's like, when do I have time to pray? 
And so the thought was, somebody had said to me, what about perpetual adoration? I didn't know much about perpetual adoration, but I started seeking to know what perpetual adoration was. So then I did ask my parish priest, my pastor, would he consider it? And he kind of laughed. He said, oh, Teresa, he said, we can't even get two hours filled, you know, on one day of the week. How are we going to do perpetual adoration? I said, I don't know. Can we pray about it? So we prayed about it for two years, a, a very holy, good priest. And so finally, thanks be to God, we got in 1998 on the Feast of the Epiphany, the doors of our Adoration Chapel were open and they remain open today. And um, the most wonderful gift that I received, a blessing, is being able to go at night and pray. And that's my shift. And um, and there during the night, I do what anybody else would do. I pray with my heart out for my family. I have cried for this album to save a business that failed. I have cried over my children leaving for religious vocations or, or weddings. I, I know that they're going to leave me, but you know, I always come out with such peace in my heart. And um, through that, I, I did ask our Lord in the beginning, teach me, Jesus, because I am just so stupid. I am just don't know much. Please teach me your ways and let me become your student. And I believe Jesus has done that. Jesus has uh, led me to reflect on scripture and have a love of scripture to understand that the commandments are the laws. We need to obey them to understand he wants me and everyone to desire holiness. That was the message of Fatima. The message of Fatima was a call to holiness. It was our Lord saying, our lady saying, do not offend our Lord, our, the Lord, our God anymore, for he's already much offended. That was a call to holiness. So really in dwelling on that and um, on the, or meditating on that message caused me to believe that that was the pathway to the sanctification of the souls, the sanctification of the families, a pathway for the conversion of the world. And Our Lady today is continuing to say through, through everyone that understands the Fatima message, bring them to me, let me convert them with grace, and let me take them to Jesus. And again, this is why we're doing this work. Claim Ministries started from a group of ladies in Cincinnati, Ohio, called Radio Rosary. Back in the very early 80s, these few ladies uh, were praying the rosary, and they decided, just about when Mother Angelica was going to do it as well, they decided to air the rosary on the radio across the nation. And by donations of, you know, a few dollars here and a few dollars there, they were able to buy airtime in many radio stations to air the rosary. Well, in time, Reese, in the past uh, seven, eight years, um, they really couldn't continue. And so they, um, some, a, a lady that I knew happened to say, Teresa, I have just the thing for you. And uh, this lady always 
a very holy lady, always had work for me to do. And I thought, oh my goodness, she's going to get me into something else. So I said, okay, I'll listen. So we went to a meeting to somebody's house and there um, they presented what they had been doing, uh, providing the Rosie on the radio, but they were down to only one radio station in Fairfield, Ohio. And now they were asking for somebody to take it over this ministry they had and see what they could do with it. So I gathered a few people together and we decided to take over their effort and see what would come of it. And so what has come of it is a reorganization of Radio Rosary into Clay Ministries because we felt not only do we want to promote the rosary, we wanted to promote the Fatima message to consecration, our consecration to Fatima. And so that's what we're doing today. We are promoting the Fatima consecration. You're about to launch a big effort in that. When is that starting and how do people get in touch with that? Right now, what we have done is back in October, uh, we the pandemic caused us to rethink how we were going to promote consecration since we had been doing them parish to parish in the Archdiocese of Covington and the Archdiocese of Cincinnati with the blessing of Bishop Roger Foyes and the blessing of Archbishop Schnur. And um, these consecrations that we were doing parish to parish were taking three months to prepare each one of them from beginning to end. And the pandemic kind of put a halt to all that. So we had been discussing for a few years and this really led us to to discuss it and discern about it. If we should maybe take the consecration into a more, um, an approach by where it would be more digital, it would be online and more accessible to more people. and so we did that. We contracted uh, Ken Yasinski out of Canada to produce 35 videos for the preparation of consecration based on the writings of Sister Lucia in her book, Calls. And uh, I had read the book several times and found that in the book, Sister Lucia truly expounded on the message, the true message, the authentic messages of Fatima. And again, that was a message, a call to holiness. I am praying, to be honest with you, and hoping, John Henry, that your audience will think seriously and pray about doing the Fatima consecration that we are going to put online under FatimaConsecration.org, where they can register And at no cost, we solicit nothing. It is a pure work of love for Our Lady and do the consecration starting September 4th for the preparation, which will end October 7th on the Feast of Our Lady of the Holy Rosary. All the instructions will be given um, when, before they start the preparation, it will be sent to them. Again, I'm praying everybody that listens will do it as an act of faith and an act of love for a lady. If you're not today understanding consecration, if you don't even understand yourself, what is it that consecration um, will do for not only yourself or the world? I ask you to do this. Just pray and ask for the seed of desire that Mary will plant a seed of desire for you to do this. 
And it, it doesn't even have to be the Fatima consecration. I love the St. Louis Marie de Montfort consecration. I did the 33 days to morning glory. And I'm ashamed to say I have not finished the St. Joseph consecration. But all these consecrations are good. And they will um, bring you closer to the heart of Christ through the heart of Mary. Um, it also is important to understand that what grieves Our Lady the most today, and I can't really not go away from this interview without saying it, is the sin of abortion. And I have reflected on this a lot. And I believe the Fatima message and our need to uh, squelch that sin of abortion go hand in hand. So many people are working tirelessly to reverse, not reverse, to do away with the laws of Roe versus Wade that started here in America. Really, abortion became, um, it opened its roots here greatly and has spread uh, because, uh, as we know, there were, Our Lady had asked for Russia to be converted and Russia spread her sins throughout the world, all that. But abortion is the one thing that we need to consider that we must stop offending God with. And I believe that in um, doing the consecration, people can be converted. Uh, we can gain graces for the world. Um, Our Lady also asked Lucia Fatima, who wrote the book calls, uh, that the four practices in reparation to the Immaculate Heart be done. And that was confession, receiving Holy Communion, praying the rosary, and keeping her company for 15 minutes. All these things are things that are part of the consecration. Just before we end off, I want to give people a little bit of a taste of what is this book calls, because that forms really the the uh, sort of central part of the reflections uh, in, in making this consecration. Tell us a little bit about the book calls um, and uh, Sister Lucia's work on it. So this is the book, Calls, and um, Clay Ministries. What we did is we contacted the postulator and the keeper of the messages in Fatima for authorization to do a consecration based on Lucia's meditations on the messages of Fatima. So we received that. So what we have, uh, we were so blessed. So as you know, if you've done the St. Louis Marie de Montfort consecration, you know that there's 33 days preparation. And then there's 33 days to morning glory by uh, Father Michael Gately. Well, it just so happened that this book has 33 chapters. So we took each chapter, um, Ken and Janelia Sinski uh, have taken these chapters, meditated on them, and then they give us um, the, the golden nugget of each chapter in a video, which is about eight minutes long. So this consecration that you register for is an online video consecration watching 35, I say 35 because one is an introduction and one is the consecration, but in between are there 33 meditations on the um, book calls, taking the, the core message of each chapter and putting it into a video. Again, each video is only about eight minutes long. So, you know, our, our goal was let's, you know, in today's world, uh, young people don't want to give a lot of time to something and it wanted, they want it to get right to the heart of the message. So that's what we do. 
It's, we're not going to take much of your time, but listen to this message, and we hope that it takes seed and uh, will be a cause of their joy to bring them forward to our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, that's what Our Lady wants, is to really attach ourselves to his sacred heart. Yes, and I, I must say, too, Ken is... Uh quite a well-known, at least in, in some parts in Canada, uh, speaker on, on a Catholic speaker, especially attractive to young people. So uh, I think this is a good opportunity for a lot of parents to encourage their, uh, you know, teens and in, in kids in their 20s to, to go for it. I would, I would encourage young people, really young kids to go for it as well. Um, one more time, when, when, should people, when can people already sign up to, uh, to begin? The registration is open. It's under FatimaConsecration.org. And you can find, just go to that link, just to put in FatimaConsecration.org uh, on your AL line, uh, your AL line on the computer. Or you can go to ClaimMinistries.org. And again, we have a link there as well to register. Well, Teresa, you're doing a, a great work, uh, a great service. Um, it, it's a funny service because it's sort of for our Lady, but in a way that's for our Lord, and our Lord is very pleased uh, with you for uh, promoting His Most Holy Mother, and uh, because He knows God the Father chose Our Lady to uh, bring Jesus to us. So in going to Jesus through Mary, we're going the same way uh, as uh, God did for us. So, John Henry, I, yeah, thank you. And I would like to ask one thing: if there's anybody out there that know, we are asking for, we we we're a small organization. And we're a non-member organization. We really don't have members. But if somebody has um, knowledge of technical abilities to uh, convert these videos into multi-languages, please contact us. Because we do hope to take this um, a little bit internationally in order that other people in other lands can uh, be ignited by her immaculate heart. Teresa Gay, thank you for being with us on this episode. Thank you so much, John Henry. God bless you and all everything that you do and all your staff. God bless you and God bless all of you. We'll see you next time. Hi, this is John Henry Weston, the co-founder and editor-in-chief of LifeSite News. I'm coming to you today because we want to be sure that we are communicating clearly with you, our loyal followers. Things are really heating up, as I'm sure you can see. Christians, conservative truth-tellers, are being targeted, are being banned from social media platforms like Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram at an alarmingly fast rate. They are attempting to suppress any narrative that does not fit that of the mainstream media. We knew this day would come. We have been warning everyone who would listen and attempting to build up alternative platforms to continue to reach you. We have established ourselves on all sorts of platforms I'm going to explain in a minute, but the most important thing to do is come direct to LifeSiteNews.com because there we will always be. But we've also established ourselves on platforms like Parler and MeWe and our videos can be found on Rumble as well. We would love to see each of you on those platforms too as they are not censoring or suppressing the truth that we are sharing every single day. More than these alternative social media platforms, we highly encourage you to subscribe to our email newsletter. We have really built up a large list of loyal readers on our email marketing platform, and we have prepared several backup plans for, well, I want to say if, but it's really when, we are removed from our current platform as well. Additionally, 
I really encourage you, as I said before, to make it a regular habit to go directly to lifesitenews.com. Make it your homepage. While all of these different platforms are an excellent way to curate your news, going directly to our website means that you will never encounter any censorship or sudden loss of LifeSite News reporting. Here's the thing. We will never stop sharing the truth. We founded this organization with the mission to be the life, family, and culture source for men and women who seek to know the truth. We have established a track record of honest reports, and this will never stop, even with censorship happening around the globe. Again, I'm encouraging you to join us on Parlor, MeWe, Rumble, and on our email list. You can find all the direct links in the description of this video. May God bless you and keep you, and we are so thankful that you've chosen to follow and support LifeSite News. I'm John Henry Weston, co-founder and editor-in-chief of LifeSite News.